Alright, good afternoon everybody and welcome back to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength and Conditioning Podcast. I am joined as always by my co-host, Dr. Ross Childs. Happy Thursday, guys. What a gorgeous day out. Lots of sun, so hopefully you guys are getting out and, and getting your vitamin D. Absolutely. Alright, we're going to get right into the, uh, we got a little bit of a shorter episode today, so we're going to get right into uh, the topics. So, we're going to talk about tissue injury healing. Um what to expect in terms of how long it'll take for an injury. And we're going to define that a little bit more uh, definitively in terms of how we describe a, in quote, injury. How long that it you should realistically take in order to start seeing some progress along with uh, kind of, you know, what are some things that you probably should be doing, what you should be sticking away from, what you probably are safe doing, all that kind of good stuff. You know, and, and when we talk about this uh, topic, you know, one of the one of the reasons that we thought it would be good is because very often, whether it's patients that will see me or it's clients that that talk to Adam, they have a, a hurt body part, and they say, "I hurt X, so I can't work out," and that is really not a great way to look at it. Now, if you sprained your ankle and you can't put any weight on it, that's going to be completely different. But let's say you hurt your shoulder. You know, and arbitrarily, we'll, ju- we'll just say it's 25% of you. Well, there's still 75% that you can still work out. And, and chances are, we can modify the exercises for you so that, one, you're not going to damage the injured area. And it's going to allow for more healing. You know, because, again, research has, showed, has shown over and over again now that the RICE principle is kind of outdated. You know, and, and what we want to do is avoid immobilization. We want to get it moving, and we want to progressively load it. So if we take off three weeks, all we're really doing is deconditioning ourselves. So yes, we get rid of swelling, we get rid of some irritability, but we're making ourselves potentially weaker by deconditioning ourselves in the end. And if it's something that continues to be a problem and you continue to follow that pattern, you are just missing moments of healing. You know, you're giving up those moments of opportunity. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about crossover principles and stuff like that. Uh, we've, we've touched on them here or there, and a lot of the stuff that, that I've heard, and I mean, you can back me up on this, we've talked about it here, is that you get, uh, I think it's what, a 20, 20 to 30% crossover normally. So like if you do, let's say you're doing a dumbbells, a single arm bench press, and you're, you're, let's say that your right arm, you just had rotator cuff surgery or, or something. Maybe that's a little bit too uh, too extreme. But like you have an injury to your right arm that makes it painful to press. Coming in and pressing with the left arm, you actually get about 20 to 30% of the benefits transfer over to that injured, in quotes, limb, even though you didn't actually press with it. Yep. So even just little stuff like that, every little bit counts. Absolutely. I mean, at the very least, coming in and still being active, you know, let's just say shoulder because we keep talking about it. You know, even if someone gets on the bike and only uses their leg, you know, that's increasing blood flow to the area. So increased circulation to the, the injured zone, increased oxygenation allows for increased healing. And that's, that's, it's paramount and we don't do enough of it. Instead, you know, again, what's the most common thing that people will tell us after they've been to Dr. X, Y, or Z about their activity? That it dropped significantly. Dro- yeah. Or, oh, so-and-so told me to stop doing oh, this. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. You know, one, it's fear-mongering. So we shouldn't do that to begin with. 
but how is that really helping anyone? Does someone really want to avoid activity? You know, and they're like, oh, so-and-so said I can't do this. Well, now you're giving me a great opportunity to prove to you why you can. Right. So, and that's, you know, I know you feel the same way about it, and that that's that's it's kind of been my my differentiation compared to to other PTs, where it's I want you to do this on day one. Let's break down the pieces. You know, let's learn the parts of the whole, practice those, and eventually, when you can, you'll come back even stronger. Right. So that's that's it. again, it, it's paramount to look at it that way. And I think it's important too to remember that like you, there are multiple processes to this too. So, like if you are if you're dealing with an overuse injury, something that's built up over time, a lot of times that has something to do with some sort of uh, some sort of patterning that's off somehow. Something is something on one side is overworking, while something on the other side is underwork. Of course, assuming there's no sort of traumatic injury involved, but just like on a basic movement basis. Yeah. So if you have a chronic issue, something that's just overuse, it's just kind of developed over time, and we know that it's something pattern related then if you take that time off, then not only are you fighting, um, you know, teaching your body how to pattern a movement correctly so that you can get past that overuse injury, but then when you come back, you have to spend so much time just breaking down the tissue and getting the joint moving again before you can even address the pattern. So even if you can get in and go through the, like let's say that it's a shoulder issue, and yeah, maybe you're not doing an overhead press, or but just getting that arm moving and keeping it moving and being able to work on some easy fundamental things to help the pattern while the tissue itself heals yep. is going to put you way ahead of the eight ball versus you know having to do that stuff when you've already taken three weeks away from it. Yeah. Then you have to take another couple weeks to get the arm even moving the same way it was before you stopped, and then you address the pattern. You're looking on tacking on four to eight weeks onto a problem that probably could have, or that maybe could have been at least minimized in three, four weeks. Oh, easily. I mean, I'd even say less than that. Okay, yeah. I didn't want to get too. Uh, no, no, no. Feel free to speak your mind. I didn't want to get too. Uh, <laughs> get ahead of yourself. Aggressive. Put, putting the cart yeah. before the horse. Right. <laughs> um, no, but but. It, you know, we talked about it with posture, or we talked about it with with sitting, for example. Sitting itself is not bad; it's the habit of sitting. You know, and it's always the habit of the habit of this, the habit of that. If we don't change the habit that caused the shit to begin with, yeah. we are not going to fix it. So, for everyone that goes and gets a cortisone shot, sure, it may make you feel better in the short term, but if you don't fix why it happened, it's going to come back. You know, or it doesn't even matter if it's cortisone and anything at all. You know, and it's one of the reasons I love massage. I love body work. You know that. But if you purely are just going to massage because you think it's going to fix everything, it's not. You are fixing it in the moment, but then your nervous system kicks back in. It goes back to its old patterns. You have the same exact pain. So, and that that's that's why everyone, and I, I am shocked when when. People are like, oh, you give me all these exercises. One, if you're a PT, you should be doing that. And I'm really surprised that, that chiropractors don't do more of that. I think they really dropped the ball 10, 15 years ago when they marketed themselves as musculoskeletal experts. They don't give enough corrective exercise, rehabituation exercises. Um, but I can beat someone up on the table, and if I do not change what brought them in, they're going to stay here. And that's not what I want. You know, I, I want them, okay, we've loosened you up. I've given you a moment of opportunity. 
where you can teach yourself these new patterns. Now, are they going to stick after one day? No, you have to keep up with them. And then I'm going to teach you how to continue to loosen up the tissue caused by the bad pattern. And then when that tissue is no longer tight, you have that freedom of motion. And once you have all that pain-free motion, then you can layer strength on top of it. And then instead of it being that pain spasm pain cycle, now it becomes a pain-free cycle. You know, we, we have to remember, yes, pain is a sensation, but no pain is also a sensation because it means that there's no threat detected. And if, if that's why we wanted to focus on this today because uh, a lot of people just go about it wrong. Um, or I won't say wrong, that's, that's negative. Um, the way that people discuss it and think about it is incomplete. So all we're trying to do is just fill in the pieces. Yeah. And just to give you a little bit of like confidence in it too, because it, you know there are always two there are always two headspaces with this. There's the person that you know loves to. I don't even want to say like one loves to exercise and one doesn't, but like one has that pain, and I see both of these. You know, uh, my shoulder hurts. Okay, well maybe we shouldn't be pressing overhead today with a forty-five pound weight. Then no, no, it's all right. It'll be fine. No It'll pain, fine. no gain. Right, That's those right. people. Right, um, and then you have the people that on the, uh, the far at other end of the scale that, you know, my shoulder hurts, so I'm not going to train this week. Yeah. And, and kind of, you know, to give the people that are pushing through it some reasons why they probably should be doing a little bit less in the, in, to figure stuff out at least. And on the flip side, the people that aren't doing anything to tell them that they can actually get out of pain quicker and stay... I don't want to say out of pain because I don't know that pain ever completely goes away. Um, you know, you'll have flare-ups on anything that you have, you know, injuries or overtime or whatever. But um, but you can get back quicker and then you know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. Because no matter what, yeah, if you have, you know, a bulging disc or, or something, you know, I know I went from shoulder to back. But whatever the case, if you have something that they then go in and surgically effect so then the pain is just snap gone yeah that's all well and good but if that pain comes back you have no idea what to do about it you know it like it's it's great that the pain is gone but you also need to know like what maybe caused that issue in the first place and if not what caused it if it starts up again you, you know your, your goal should never be in my opinion to go under the knife multiple times. Yeah, or to get cortisone or right. to take prescription medications or especially with, you know, painkillers, you know, the the rate of addiction is pretty high and mm -hmm. you know, even when we're dealing with NSAIDs, you know, the rate of side effects are, are pretty high as well, you know, whether, you know, could be that it's causing a kidney problem or, or whatever it may be. And then surgery, you got to think about the risk of surgery. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get infection, you can, you know, it may not correct it to begin with. So, um, you know, again, there's a time and a place where, where surgery helps. You know, if you fall off the roof and, and shatter everything and they need to put Humpty Dumpty back together, that's fine. Or if you're pinching a nerve in your back where there's lightning bolts down your legs and you can't control bowel and bladder function, yeah, I think that, that indicates a, a surgical issue. Yeah, and we, uh, we certainly are in no way, I mean, we've always kind of come at this from a, we have medical advancements for a reason. There are legitimate reasons that you need that you need to take advantage of that. The thing that we always tend to come back to is that those reasons 
are not as, or the, the list of reasons, I should say, are not as large as most of us are led to believe they are. Correct. You know, and, and I just think it's, it's very easy. Oh, your shoulder hurts? Take this. You know, oh, let's shoot you up with this. Oh, God, look at everything that we found on the imaging. You need surgery. It's like, eh. Is there, a, is there a, a, another way? I won't say a better way, but is there another way? And you've seen it a bunch of times. You, you've had people do certain things. Their, their pain goes away. They're fine to go. And, but yet their x-ray or their whatever they had probably said that they were two steps from death. I mean, we just, we just never know, you know. And I've had multiple people that were told they needed surgery. They never had to get it. So, you know, and, and that's, that's not me trying to say I'm great or anything like that. But I didn't just say, yeah, you need surgery. It's like, well, let's, let's see first, you know, let's, let's try physical therapy. You know, let's see where you're at after four weeks and we'll make that determination. You know, I've had a, an older gentleman who we've been trying to hold off a knee replacement and we've been able to success, successfully do that for going on four years now, mm-hmm. you know, and you just have to be willing to do it. That's right. that's the important part, and you know. But we'll we'll certainly get into that. So, you know, when we're talking about tissue healing, you know, there, there's we have to talk about the different phases. So we'll try to keep this very short. We we won't get too into the weeds with this like I normally do. But really, just to give you guys an idea of what goes on, we can have an acute injury, we can have a subacute injury, chronic and then an acute on chronic flare-up. And that's usually what most of us have. So by, by definition, an acute injury happens today. I, I slip on ice, I wail my knee off the ground, it swells up, it hurts. That's an acute injury. Now, typically acute injuries are gonna last up for about 21 days. And that's normal regardless of what you do. It's just the laws of tissue healing. You have to respect it. The first three days are going to be the worst because swelling increases over 72 hours and then levels off from days four to day 10-ish. And we'll typically see pain starts to go down. And then typically from days 10 to 21, most people feel well enough to go back to their activity. So think of like a grade one ankle sprain. Generally in two to three weeks, people are back with no issues. Now, if we start to get into subacute, and again, when we're talking terms, you know, the severity changes that. It shifts everything to the right. But for most of what we see, um, you know, we're going to be talking about subacute, chronic, and acute on chronic flare-ups. Then that turns us into the subacute stage, and that's typically going to be 21 days or longer, you know, and typically that's going to be 21 days to 90 days. Now, the only problem is with that, we start to build up compensation patterns. And and this is, this can be normal, except what we have to pay attention to is their swelling. You know, swelling in the acute stage is normal. It's very protective. Uh, we shouldn't nat- naturally get rid of it. Swelling is bad when it's there's too much of it or when it's at the wrong stage of healing. So if we have swelling in the subacute stage, we have to worry about that. And then we have a chronic condition that's defined as being 90 days or longer, or we have a recurring problem for six months or greater. And I think by those definitions, we all have it, which can also lead to an acute on chronic flare-up. You know, we, we've had that pain that nags at us every once in a while, and then finally it just lets go. So for most of us, you know, it's those acute on chronic flare-ups that, that finally get us. Now, anytime we have an acute on chronic flare-up or more of an acute problem, there's always that inflammatory stage that we talked about, which again can be about 21 days, a um, little less, a little more, depending on the severity of it. But then we also have 
the repair stage. So that's when your body has a little less swelling, your body's laying down healthier tissue. And then once we get into the remodeling stage, which can be from about week 12 to about two years out, um, that's when the body kind of lays down the, the resiliency, it increases loading, um, it becomes healthy tissue again. So we don't have to have pain for our body to still remodel. But it's that acute on chronic flare-up that most of us feel where it's, you know, this just keeps coming back. It's just not getting better. Well, it's because you didn't change the habit in between those flare-ups. It's not that your injury was chronic. It's the bad habit that you created was chronic. And then you have an overload of stress to the area. And then if you don't correct that, it's going to come back. It's inevitable. Now, if we start to correct things, we can still have flare-ups, but ideally, and you already mentioned this, we should see a decrease in our symptoms if we flare up, a decreased duration, but also there's a longer time period between flare-ups. So some people would say, once a month I flare up. If we get them on a good pattern, you know, we get them on corrective exercises, then they may say, hey, I haven't had a flare-up for three months. Great, and then six months, and then 12 months, and then 24 months. And then you get those, you know, I had this back thing, but it was, it was five years ago. That's a reality. But we have to address what caused it to begin with. So um, very, very simplistic overview of, of what we need to actually pay attention to. You know, but most people, again, that acute on chronic flare-up, really the first two days, if you want to back off, that's fine. But usually it's those people that I'm going to take three weeks off. And we shouldn't be doing that. that that's just not, not good. Now, Adam, I'm curious. When, when someone calls you up, a client, and says, hey, X, Y, or Z is hurt. You know, I hurt myself. Uh, I'm going to take some time off. What do you, what do you say to them? Well, what do you advise? I usually will say, I usually start with just, can you come in for the warm-up? Come in for the warm-up, get your rolling in, get some stretching, and get some movement in. And if you, I mean, obviously depending on the, the injury but or what's going on. But And if you're not feeling better after that, then then okay. I'm not, I mean, at the end of the day, I want them to come in. And the most important part is going to be kind of that manual release, that that stretching, that kind of stuff to, to at least keep moving. Nine times out of ten, if I can say, if I can, I don't even want to say convince, because I'm not, I'm not trying to fool anybody. But if I can, um, you know, make make them feel comfortable enough, it's probably a better way to put it. If I can make them feel comfortable enough with coming in and doing the warm up, most of the time they see enough of a difference that they, okay, I think I can make it through the class. Um, so usually we'll start there. You know. It'd be really good for you if you can come in. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's really not not able to come in or doesn't want to come in, they're just super worried about it. I'll say like, okay, roll these couple places and just try and go for a walk. Just get some basic. Again, of course, assuming that they didn't just you know their ankle isn't facing backwards and they're, they're you know something's broken or whatever. But it, usually, if it's like a back injury or something along those lines, and somebody's really worried, okay, roll your glutes. Do the, you know, we call it the pinwheel, the 90-90 stretch. Um, and then just try and go for a nice, easy walk. No big hills, nothing crazy. Just try and go for a walk, even if it's around, you know, walk circles around your house. If it's, you know, cold out, whatever. Um, 
just to kind of, sh- you know, if anything, so that they'll feel a little better and to show that they like, if they move, they're actually going to feel better. Absolutely. You know, and, and movement is key because especially if we have more of an acute flare up and even if inflammation is present, our only natural pumping mechanism are our muscles. So even if someone comes in and walks, so let's say, let's say an ankle sprain, mm-hmm. you know, again, first we have to make sure there's no fractures, you know, or need for an x-ray. And we've talked about the auto ankle rules that I typically use with people. So if there's, you know, either at the ankle or at the foot itself, if there's no tenderness at the, the two locations that I typically look for, and they can take five steps immediately following, even with a limp, you don't need an x-ray. Now, let's say they come here to the gym. You know, they, they call me and they say, I want to go to get fit. I want to work out. Do you think that's a smart idea? Yes, with modifications. You're not doing jumping. You're probably not even doing lunging. You're probably doing mini squats. You're, you're going to definitely do upper body exercises and standing because I want you to get some weight onto that area. Because every time you weight shift onto that injured side, your muscles have to work to stabilize you and it's going to flush everything out. As long as the foot and the ankle stay in a stable position, they're going to be fine. The second they decide to start whipping that ankle back and forth, that's when it becomes a problem. You know, and the same thing if it were a shoulder patient. You know, they would call me up, hey, I hurt my shoulder, want to go work out, don't know what I should do. Most of the time, as long as we keep the arm below 90 degrees, the shoulder's fine. So no overhead stuff for now. I don't want you to do it. You know, can I do bench press? Probably not. But let's let's do a push-up instead. Maybe we, we put you elevated so you're still getting that motion, but it's going to be much safer on you. We're still allowing you to work out, but still allowing your body to heal. Again, uh, uh, usually a mistake is going to be made. Oh, I'll just try benching. All right, well, how'd that go? Well, now my shoulder hurts. Okay, so not only did we do something that we know that was going to put extra stress to the area, but you have now slowed down the healing process. You know, you, you didn't damage anything. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to be sore. It's going to be tender. But we've slowed down the healing process. So what, what, what was the point of that? So that's why it's, it's we have to put rules in place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, I'm all for people breaking rules, you know, in, 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 in sense of this working out stuff, right. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. eventually at a certain point. Good, you know, the, the shackles have been taken off. Go ahead and beat yourself up. Let's see what you can do now. But in the beginning, we have to respect the laws of tissue healing. If we do one iota too much, we will delay that healing process. You know, a lot of people would say, well, how do we know when too much is too much? Well, you, you, have, to, you have to take the best educated guess that you can ahead of time. You know, it's like people with knee pain. Well, I'm going to go skiing this weekend. Do you think that's a good idea? Well, no, not really. But if you want to do it, you structurally can. It's just going to hurt. You know, when's the last time you skied? Two years ago. It's going to hurt. Understand that. Just don't do moguls. You know, don't do 75 runs. You know, maybe you're only doing four. You know, maybe you're you're jumping on the, the bunny slopes. Do it. But you have to minimize the amount of stress because the second that you exceed your threshold, it creates pain. And then you're going to be sore for the next seven days. It, it's the way that our body, evolution, whatever, whatever, we, our body was made to do that to protect us. The second you exceed it, 
it's going to yell at you. It, it's, it's, a, it's a governor. It keeps us from doing more stupid shit. Now, does that mean we have to rush off and then get surgery, injections, or pills? No. We just have to understand, I'd rather you start light, get out of it saying, that felt good. I don't have pain. It was slightly easy, but I'm not in pain. Well, you know what? Let's do a little bit more next time. All right, let's do a little bit more. Oh, you know what? That was a little sore. All right, back off a little bit. Let your body get accustomed to it. All right, let's ramp it up again. So we're going really, really slow. Just in the society we live in, no one wants to go slow. Yeah, and I think we, we fall into this, I mean, we fall into this trap with all kinds of different things. Is we want a, you know, we want a definitive answer. We, you know, people always ask, you know, should I, same thing, should I go up and wait? I don't know, how did that feel? And I mean, I've kind of gotten to the point now where I can look at somebody and be like, okay, I feel like I could go up and wait. And I've gotten pretty good about being able to like get a feel for that. But people kind of expect you to know, okay, I did 15 pounds, it was fine. Do you think I'm fine going to 25? Hmm. And there's no perfect formula. It's not like if I plug 25 into this based on the fact that you did 15 pounds at 10 reps without any pain, it means ding, 22.5 pounds and no more or you're going to have pain. And that's not the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, I mean, you don't want to be stupid about it. It's not like, oh, 20 felt good. Why don't I try going back up to 90 for 20 reps? What the hell? What can happen? But there has to be – there is some level of – it sucks because it's not a better way to put it, but there is some level of trial and error. There has to be. And that, and that no surgical procedure, can you be told with 100% certainty what's going to happen? No weightlifting. Like we, just like with nutrition, people get pissed off because this diet worked for this person. They lost 50 pounds, but I did the exact same thing and I didn't lose anything or I only lost 10 pounds. Everybody's body is so different. There, there is no formula. You know, you, depending on who you're working with, they can give you an educated guess depending on their level of experience, their level of education, what they've seen, what what they've seen other people with a similar injury have gone through, similar yeah. lifestyle. Like, But at the end of the day, no matter what it is, it's it's an educated guess. Correct. And I've, I've, I say to patients all the time, we don't know what your body's going to be able to until we do it. So, you know, and, and I say that, somewhat jokingly but it's true you know if we have to get you back to doing x y or z we at least have to try it but if you think you're going to be at the same level that you were at pre-injury you are are sadly mistaken and that's why we have to build you back up now oftentimes people will ask and you've probably heard this is pain normal during the healing process so when when people ask you that, when people, you put them on modified exercises um, and they say, well, I feel this, is this normal? You know, what's, what's, what do you say to them? Usually the follow-up questions I'm asking is, is what type of pain? Mm-hmm. A, you know, is it, is it dull and achy? Does it feel tight? Does it feel just like, um, you know, a little bit of soreness or... If it's any one of those, I'm usually like, okay, like let's be careful, let's keep an eye on it, but I think you're all right doing it as long as it's not the pain is not increasing in severity. When the next questions are, is it sharp? You know, like all of a sudden it just zings and it's uh, an eight on a scale of one to ten. Is it sharp? 
Do you feel any numbness, any tingling, any burning, any sort of sensations that that tell me that it could be something um, more extreme or nerve-related or something mm-hmm. like that? That's when I'm usually like, okay, let's back yeah. like a decent amount off. Yeah, there. let's dial it down a little yeah. bit. And I, I would certainly agree with that. And again, the first 21 days, you know, there's there's definitely going to be some good moments and bad moments. You know, especially with with rehabituation, it's a struggle. It's a game of tug of war with the body, and and we have to understand there's going to be some discomfort associated with it. Now, with that said, you know, if someone were to come in to see me or even to see you, and they say, you know, I have a two out of ten pain before I start the exercise. When I start the exercise. I still feel my pain, but it's no worse. Well, guess what? The exercise isn't making it any worse, so keep going. The pain was already present. Or even if someone said, well, before I started the exercise, I was a zero. Mm -hmm. Started, I can feel it, it's like a two, but I can keep going and it's not getting worse. Great, then keep going. You know, two out of 10 is, is very mild in the scheme of things. And we don't know, sometimes people have a hard time distinguishing between discomfort and pain when it's Mm -hmm. that low. now, when it's irritable, if someone has a, a sharp rise in their pain, or I won't even say a sharp rise in their pain, let's say it gets to a four or five, they stop the exercise and it just lingers for the next day or two, you know, that, that's irritability that we want to be mindful of. So if they had one instance where their pain shot up to an eight, but came right back down, all right, what did you do? Let's modify that. Does it do the same thing? No, it doesn't. All right, we're just going to modify it. Don't worry about it. If it happens again, just let one of us know. That's, that's, that's the important part. Working through pain, we have to remember is, again, I hate when people say no pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people, again, say it jokingly because you know, that's, that's what people say. Um, but no pain, no gain is actually a terrible way to think about it because people just keep pushing, pushing, pushing and causes compensation. So if someone can work through a relatively mild discomfort, compensation-free, I'm okay with it. So working through that discomfort, something that's tolerable, I'm fine with. Do I expect that to be that way all the time? No, because I would anticipate as they're healing, as they build up tolerance, as they build up resilience, they've improved their uh, capacity, which would allow them to have a decreased pain response, discomfort response, whatever, whatever you choose to call it. So, um, you know, but that's, that's no different than let's say we have someone who had rotator cuff repair, mm. you know, they're 16 weeks out and they want to start weight training again. Now, again, they need modifications, but because it's something they have not done in four to six months, it's going to be painful. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some irritability. I would expect that for the first week then it should decrease, assuming they didn't do something to set it off. Um, but again, just your normal aches and pains. The reconditioning process, as I call it, that that is very, very normal. Now, how do you, how do you feel about stretching versus rolling when it comes to injuries? So usually if it's not something, you know, acute, you know, there's not some sort of monster bruise. They got hit with some, you know, like whatever, something fell on their leg or mm-hmm. they, like you, the example you gave where they, I mean, you're not foam rolling your knee, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Where they fell on a hip or something like that. Sure. If there's not some sort of acute traumatic, you know, um, collision, I can't think of the word, injury, yeah. then I, I prefer them to roll it over stretching. Um, 
if for no other reason than if they if it's something tightness related and they try and stretch that well there's there's a reason that the body has locked that tissue down so if you then try to fight the neurological lockdown essentially your yeah. mind telling that quad for example nope stay tight there's a reason that it's staying tight so if there's an injury related there and the brain is saying stay tight and you're saying nope stretch stay tight nope stretch stay tight nope stretch all that's going to end up happening is either the area of the muscle bed that's tight is not where you're going to stretch from you're going to stretch from tissue that's already extended which could lead to further injuries or your body's just going to lock it down harder because you're trying harder to loosen it up. Sounds like you're talking about the people with the, the an wicked anterior and pelvic tilts yes. that have the stretched out hamstrings. Yep. And they say, my hamstrings are tight and I stretch all the time yep. and they're still tight. Well, guess what? Your body made your hamstrings tight for a reason. It's trying to protect you. Yep. And by stretching, you're taking away your only protection mechanism. And so that, that, was, a, that was a great example of that. Now, oftentimes we'll also hear heat versus cold. What should I use? A again, the, the rice principles have changed. So, you know, if really we only need ice for about the first 48 hours. You know, and, and again, that may not even be the case for an acute on chronic event. And I know a lot of people will end up using ice. Uh, but really, I, I say, you know, do you feel better after a hot shower? Yes. Then use heat. If someone again has sprained their ankle and you want to put ice on it because it prevents further swelling, ice is very beneficial. Now, if someone says, I like the feeling of my numb skin, it's good for pain management, I agree, but ice is not healing. You know, so we have to we have to recognize that and we have to be willing to admit it. Um, heat is definitely gonna draw more blood flow to the area, which again, more nutrient-rich oxygen that's going to aid in the in the healing process. So, you know, my recommendation is always, unless you see a boatload of swelling, start with heat. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it never hurts to get increased blood flow to the area. Which, when we're looking at self-massage, that's a component to it. You know, get some new blood flow to the area. But movement, movement. You know, motion is lotion. You know, it, it greases up your joints and it draws blood flow to the area. Yep. You know, it should be as simple as that. Now, what do you consider to be the best overall strategy to recover from said injury? doesn't matter what it is. We'll just say acute on chronic. So there's no inflammation, you know, repetitive stress, you know, ouch, this hurts. You know, where, where do you, I know we already talked about it a little bit in the beginning, but let's say, let's pick a shoulder. Mm -hmm. So if someone comes in, you know, hey, I was working, you know, felt this pain in my shoulder and, and you know, it's still bothering me, but I want to work out tonight. Where do I start? So same place as normal is, is getting the the area moving, whether it, you know, foam rolling, what lacrosse ball work is usually a little bit more targeted with the shoulder. Um, you know, just getting the getting as big of a range of motion as we can in the joint safely. Um, usually when people have shoulder shoulder tightness, like let's say that we're doing you know a shoulder flexion drill, so arm straight, reaching what would be reaching up overhead, whatever plane you're in, whether you're lying down, standing up, whatever. Um, I usually tell people like, go as far as you can until you feel like you hit a block of some kind, and then if you're pushing past that block, don't. Or if you want to push past that block, don't, because something at that spot you were doing it, you know, with the correct motion, and then you hit a block. 
So something is there saying, nope, no farther. And if you somehow get further, it's because something else changed position. You f- you jumped into a comp- comp- compensatory pattern. Correct. So that's usually the way I'll do it. If somebody is having real shoulder... I shouldn't say real, like imaginary. I just mean mm-hmm. like is having some really difficult shoulder pain or they're, you know... You put a weight in their hands for a bench press, and even if they do like a 10, they have that same discomfort. Yeah. I'll even drop down to something like, um, I've done this for a few people, like let's say we're doing a two dumbbell bench press. They press with their left, their left arm is fine, no pain there. So they've got a dumbbell in their right, or their left hand, and in the right hand I'll give them a lacrosse ball to squeeze. Yeah. Just to create some tension, you're moving through the same range of motion, but it's not, it's not painful. But you're still creating muscular tension through that side just by squeezing the lacrosse ball. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have the same returns as a press, but you're also not having the same pain response. Yeah, and typically what I'll do, you know, I, I, people will say, you know, I want to work out. What are your recommendations? Well, one, we got to loosen everything up to begin with. So I'm in the same boat. I enjoy when someone does their own self-massage. Maybe they do some type of mobility drill or stretch that's mm-hmm. going to help fix some type of impairment. And then the modification of the exercises. So if they're having discomfort with pressing, I usually give them some type of a pull exercise to Mm -hmm. offset it. Facilitate the pull muscles so that we can try to put them into a good habit. Now, when someone comes in and they say, I have pain with benching, you know, and I I like your, your recommendation about grabbing onto the lacrosse ball and creating tension. I didn't think of that. But I usually stand them up and have them do a band press. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The the effects, the effects of gravity are a little bit different. And I just find, especially with the band, if you can set it up perfectly where they just go in and out in like a sawing motion, um, they, they just tend to do well. They can go slow and controlled. They're getting all that feedback. So um, I, enjoy, I enjoy using that a lot for my pushing movements. And then it's, all right, you, you look good. You're not having pain. Can we now get you back onto the bench? You know, because that, that's really the ultimate goal of what we should be doing. So, you know, I always recommend some type of self-massage, some type of stretch or mobility drill, and then some type of facilitation exercise to offset what, whatever it may be. You know, and, and I always talk about because the, the bigger, stronger muscles in the front of the shoulder do a lot of work, I usually tell people to double or triple up on their back exercises just to offset it. And again, just from a habitual standpoint, our, our bigger muscles in the front constantly pull us forward throughout the day. So we just need to do something to, to offset that. So, well, anything else that you want to add to that? No, I mean, I, I you know, we hit a lot of the heat versus cold stuff, stretching, rolling. Uh, I mean, so I think to round it out, what, if you if you don't mind, I don't know if this is too wide a wide a category for you to sum up in, in you know a few words, but can you give people like a few specific things that are like maybe like red flags? Like okay, like this is definitely something that I need to you know sure not push through. I need to like you know talk to the coach, talk to. I mean, you should ideally talk to somebody regardless yeah. if you're feeling any sort of pain but yeah i mean if if someone so when we look at the spine specifically the low back you know if someone bends forward or bends backwards and they have some type of symptom down their leg you know you want someone to know that you know because we don't know if it's going to get better we don't know what it is is there nerve impingement same thing with the neck if you move your neck around and you have symptoms down your arms you want to get that looked at 
Now, as far as the extremity is concerned, the upper extremity, if you're lifting your arm up and it drops because you can't hold it there, that's bad. You know, and ideally, again, bringing the arm up to 90 is a safe zone for most people. So if you get it up to 90 and it drops, not good, no bueno. For the lower body, if you cannot place weight on your, your extremity, again, not a good thing. So if you can't at least take five steps with a limp, if standing stationary hurts, then that's something that you'd, you'd want to get checked. You know, and, and depending on the acuteness, the severity, the irritability, that may change it a little bit. But for the most part, those, those are the giant red flags that we should be looking for. Those are the in indications that, you know, maybe I do need to get this looked at. But that's, that's, I gave you really one generalized event per body region. You know, think about the number of people that don't have symptoms going down to their arms when they move their neck or their back. Think about the number of people that do have a hurt knee but can still walk around no issue. Think about the people that say, my shoulder hurts, but they have full range of motion. So there are lots of reasons why we should still be working out. So uh, again, there's there's more specific stuff uh, that I'd want you to look at for, for your clients and me to look at with the patients. But for someone coming in potentially tonight and they say, my knee hurts, if you can stand and it doesn't, doesn't provoke it any worse, um, I, I would still... I would still come in and work out. Cool. All right. So, guys, you guys know the drill. Uh, take a look in the description if you want to join Ross's Fit for Life uh, PT page where he doesn't ask Ross every, anything um, on Thursday nights, Eastern Time at 730. Uh, additionally, as well, Evade account if you are interested in supplements and things along those lines. Uh, my information is in there as well, so feel free to hit us, hit us up if you guys have any questions or want to jump into any of our groups. Until next week. Catch you guys later. Take care.